This is Werewolf the Podcast, a podcast about the role-playing game, Werewolf the Apocalypse. Have you heard of high-level games? If you're a content creator looking to make your dream a reality, you need high-level games. High-level games does layout, editing, and development support such as Kickstarter and more. Even if you're not a creator and just want to enhance your game with exciting new supplements, go to highlevelgames.ca and check out Dark New England for V20. High-level games. We want to help you level up your role-playing game. Highlevelgames.ca Welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Josh Heath, and we are joined by Carrie, the legend. And today, that's because I'm so old, I've reached legendary status. Maybe that's what it is. I, I don't I'll, think it's actually like people know me. I think I'm just so old, they're like, just give her that rank and she'll shut up. It's an honorary rank, not a, a nerd <laughs> rank. Is that what I'm that, hearing? I'm like the honorary, I'm like the legendary kinfolk where everyone's like, yeah. Technically, we don't give kinfolk ranks, but, you know, we're just going to say. It keeps her quiet. Today, we are talking about ghost towns. But before we jump in and talk about ghost towns, I want to remind folks that we have a Patreon. And if you would like to support Werewolf the Podcast on Patreon, you can do so at Werewolf the Podcast on Patreon, exactly like it says on the tin. Um, There are awesome tiers of support, including joining our Discord for as little as a dollar. So please come out, help us out. Um, There will be potentially some restructuring of our Patreon Patreon tiers coming up soon, Mm -hmm. just to make sure that people are getting all the things that they want to receive out of their support for us here at Werewolf the Podcast. So keep your eyes out for that. that Are you taking requests for tiers? I certainly will be interested in hearing people's thoughts on tears. So yeah, if you want to leave a comment on Facebook or anywhere other than the Podbean site itself, then please go (laughs) ahead and do that. And I think, Carrie, I think you left a comment on Podbean the other day. Did I? I, It was either on Podbean or it was somewhere else. And I was like, well, I can't respond to that. So I think it was just like, yay or something. It was was just a supportive comment. But I was like, I can't even like this. So Uh, yeah. I can like my own podcast. You absolutely can. I just don't understand why I can't actually interact with posts on there. It bothers me to no end. All right. So we're talking about ghost towns. And I think we are distracting ourselves because we don't really want to dive too deeply into this book. That heavy sigh should be indication of some sort of feelings we are having about it. Yeah, let's just put it this way. My husband laughed at me the entire time I read this book because apparently I was making a face the entire hundred pages. And it is 103 pages of book, so mm-hmm. I can imagine the faces you were making throughout yeah. the entirety of it. Yeah. So by the numbers, this was published in 1998. It was written by Nancy Amboy, Andrew Bates, Richard E. Dansky, Steve Miller, Derek Percy, Ethan Skemp, John Wick, and Fred Yelp. The art was done by Ron Brown, Tom Fowler, Scott Fisher, Darren Friendall, Jeff Parker, uh, Shay Anton Pensa, and Matt Roach. This book was developed in tandem with Justin Achille and Richard E. Dansky. And the reason it was developed by both of those individuals was because this is a crossover book. Right. I actually have two comments about the the credits. Okay. The first is, that's a lot of writers. ton of writers. Okay. I just wanted to state that, because I think that becomes clear later. Yep. Um, And then the other, I wanted to ask, and this is just me being a nerdy gamer girl, is that the same John Wick? I'm 98% sure it's the same John Wick, yeah, which is, it's interesting how many people that are now fairly big names in gaming got their start or early on did like a little bit of freelance work for white right i'm disappointed i'm disappointed in john wick yeah sir it's not his highest quality work that's for sure no (laughs) ghost towns is a crossover story supplement for werewolf the wild west and wraith the oblivion So if you're unfamiliar with this book, it's probably because you're unfamiliar with either one of those game lines. And that is a completely fair thing to be unfamiliar with both of those game lines because this is a werewolf podcast, but we have been (laughs) talking about Werewolf the Wild West here and there 
uh, as we've been going through these books. As a crossover book, it gives you the rules for running wraiths in werewolf and running werewolf in wraith and how those two interact, but it doesn't actually give you very good rules on how they interact. No. But that's the theory is that this is going to be a setting book for running crossovers between those two lines. All right. So I'm just going to say it. I don't think this is an actual crossover. Okay. There is very little in this book that is, if you're playing a wraith game, how to run it. This is if you're playing a werewolf game and want ghosts in it. Yes. And that's okay, but I kind of feel like they, they're a little misleading. Because you know, I'm not a wraith person. I, the, the game never clicked with me. I made one character one time and got so depressed I couldn't play the game. Which everyone tells me that means I was doing it right. But then, like, I was like, well, and so, like, I feel like it's a little misleading to Wraith players. Yeah, I agree. It's, but that said, almost all of the NPCs in the book are Wraiths Mm -hmm. as opposed to werewolves. And so it's clearly written for the players to be the main werewolves in the story with, like, one or two NPCs related to the hook. And then all of the other interactions you're going to have will be with these Wraith characters that populate the world. Yeah. What's really frustrating is that this time with Wraith, at least, it was, there's not a lot of history in Wraith to explain the, um, how the Wild West would be structured in Wraith society. And they try to explain that in here, but it's explained really, really weirdly and kind of all over the place. But I think, I kind of got the feeling like that's how Wraith was at the time. It was kind of all over the place. Like, they're like, what territory are you in? Well, I guess it's this law then. And, you know, if you're over here, it's this law then. But, you know, again, I don't know enough about Wraith to verify. That's just the feeling I got. Yeah, I think that would be fair if they structured it and kind of gave us a little bit of um, an introduction where it was like, hey... This is the Wraith world, the the world of the underworld, or like the state of the underworld at this time. Yeah. It is an outlaw space where it is a frontier and all of those things that we think of with the Wild West. I could get along with that if they had written that explicitly. Yeah. Okay, fair. And all that would have taken would be like a sidebar of a timeline or maybe like a page describing hey, this is the history of the hierarchy and the rest of Stygia. If you don't know anything about Wraith, they don't explain any of that. Not at all. And so you're like, what's the hierarchy? Right. And for our listeners, the hierarchy is the ruling structure of the underworld in Wraith the Oblivion's modern setting. But at this time, they didn't have control over all of the um, Americas. Right. So it's this unspoken, you should know that it's a frontier space, but it's never explicitly said. And it's frustrating that it's never explicitly said. Yeah. Agreed. Carrie, do you have any thoughts on the cover before we dive in farther? Because that's what I, I have do. thoughts. Oh, you, okay. That, that is what you do, but I also have some <laughs> thoughts on it. All right. Um, the cover is my favorite thing of this book. Okay. I love this cover. I love the 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 cool colors versus the warm colors. Like literally, it's werewolf versus wraith. I love how they o- laid over the ghosts, but underneath the werewolf, the the map mm-hmm. of the areas. Um, at least I think that is like I saw the word tombstone somewhere in Dodge City and things like that. I don't think it's accurate, but that works just as well. I love how the ghosts are solid, jet see-through. The only weird thing is the the werewolf has a weird underbite. Unfortunately, you see, like, the tomahawk, and immediately you go, it must be one of the, the native tribes. But that's not true. Like, carrying around tomahawks like that, everybody did, because it was the cheapest weapon you could have. Right. So I don't know what they were trying to imply there. But beyond all of that, I really like the cover a lot. Yeah. Um, I, interestingly enough, I'm not 100% sure I'm sold on it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just because of my conflicted feelings on the rest of the book. But I look at this and I go, there's so much going on here. I do like the map 
element in the background, it's totally incorrect. It's like yeah. a, a mess of a map. I would actually have preferred like a real map, put the map behind it rather than this weird reference to all the other places that we're going to talk about in the book kind of splattered throughout. The idea here is solid. And I just feel like it's like the rest of the book. It's like the idea is really, really good. The execution of it, I'm not 100% sure on so long. Okay, that's fair. I think maybe I was just so disappointed with the rest of the book that it was this like silver lining. Right. You're like, hey, here's a good like part of it. I can be, I can say positive things about this. So yeah. I am. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Um, the book otherwise layout wise cover has the same sort of layout as the rest of the wild west books it is really a werewolf the wild west book as opposed to a wraith book they didn't alter the layout or the um or anything like that inside mm -hmm. of it so um don't open this and be like why doesn't this look like a wraith book well it doesn't look like a wraith book because it's a werewolf book yep any thoughts on the opening story i think that it gets better as it goes on mm hmm the more I read it, the more boring, you know, when I first read it, I was like, oh, this is terrible. This is boring. This is, ugh. but as it went on, it picked up speed. I just wish they had not made me wait. Yeah. It should have started with some action. Yeah. I felt like the ending was like, pow, pow, ghost and a clock tower and all this crazy stuff. And if they had given us a little bit of even spooky at the beginning, it would have been okay, but they just, it was just too long. Yeah. And it's not a long story to begin with, but it's too long because it's not particularly great. It yeah. doesn't give, I get what they were going for. It's only three pages, but I get what they were going for. And they are trying to set up this idea of this story is going to, it felt like this story is going to continue throughout this book, but it, it doesn't. doesn't. So it's like this introductory thing that just kind of peters off and you're like, what, where else, where, what else are you going to give me that yeah. is going to tie into this? Yeah, no, there's no tie-ins. No. I, I will also say that the, I think one of the most disappointing things in this book is the, the chapter head art, like the, the, the page, every page. They're so boring. Yeah. Like I, I don't understand how you, can hire someone to do that many pieces of art and steer them in the direction of make it as plain and gray as possible. I understand the artwork is black and white, but like there's no value change in anything. There's no contrast. You know, and I, maybe they were trying to be like, Wraith is all gray and everything is watered down and all that, but your art shouldn't be. Right. Right. And the Wraith the Oblivion art isn't like that. Yes, it's black and white, but it's got frenetic energy to it. It's got movement that's always mm -hmm. like going on. And you feel like, particularly with John Cobb's art, like something is happening here. Yeah. In this like creepy art piece. Yeah. No, like all of, every single chapter, the start of the chapter art is just, I was like, meh. Yeah. Like it, it was worse than being bad art. It was boring. Yep. And it's not super evocative. It's, it gets close to being like, Hey, this is what the setting is going to touch on. But it's like in a way that uh, was obvious, like there is a, an undertaker on one of them. And I'm like, yes, mm -hmm. what, what, what else? Like, tell me a story with this picture, please. Ooh. You did an Undertaker. Yeah, it's like, no. Right, like that is that should be obvious in a Wraith book that there the town Undertaker is going to be a figure of importance. Yeah. But so. then, of course, they never actually talk about an Undertaker nope. anywhere. So Yeah, I don't think there's a single NPC that's an Undertaker. Nope, and that would be like one of the most important people in a ghost town, in a Wild West town, for Wraith crossover. Like, it just seems like an obvious person to have some books for. So, side note to that, I was actually really disappointed because, you know, you think a ghost town, they're going to be walking into a town that's empty and they've got to figure out what happened. Mm -hmm. No, these are all towns that have living people in them and there also happens to be ghosts. Yeah, and they tell us that in the introduction in a way that it's kind of like, 
okay, here is their conceit that they, these are places just where the shroud is, and the shroud being the barrier between the living world and the underworld. The shroud is low. And because the shroud is low, these towns are ghost towns. And you'll have ghost stories in these towns. Like, I actually wish they had just, even if one of the stories in here had been a modern story. Right. You know, you walk into this ghost town that's literally, because they still have them out there, that's yep. literally falling apart. And then, you you know, fix these ghost problems. Yep. Like, that would have been awesome. Yep. Not so much here. It also would have been a cool place for a, um, a flashback story where they said, hey, you're, you as your players are going to go to this place and then get pulled into the underworld or the Umbra and have to relive events yeah. that happened in the Old West. Or even, I mean, you could even tailor a tabletop game. Guru have past lives. Yep, yep. How awesome would that have been? Yep. Nope. No, nope. they did not play on that at any way, shape, or form. We are already writing a better book than this book is. Um, in the introduction, they do give us a little bit of cosmology, but it's not cosmology that's useful. It's just saying, hey, this is the Umbra, this is the Shadowlands, now you know. Go yeah, for like it. they have like a little map. And... Yeah, like, it was just like, uh, that's not helpful. No, it's just a circle. Right, it doesn't tell me anything. Yeah. This space, like, that's the space I would have used for a quick and dirty timeline. Yeah. And it, Real, yeah. And it doesn't have to be ex extensive. It just has to be the hierarchy sets up their first, um, uh, whatever, Shadowland in Boston in, like, 17-whatever. Yeah, the, the Storm Eater is here. This Yeah. Right. Something that would have been helpful for me to go, okay, this is the progression of things, and I can build that into my story. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I could talk about that for all day long. It probably won't be helpful. <laughs> I also, I think this book is backward in that it starts off with, a chapter like teaching you how to build a ghost town. Chapter one is like, how, this is how you build a ghost town in their yeah. definition of a ghost town where I would have preferred to have that at the back where I would have already seen their examples of ghost towns and then been like, okay, now how do I make my own? Okay, cool. Here's how to do that. Mm. But they start off with it, which I think was an odd choice. Well, I think it, it's odd because it's dry. Yeah. You know, like you, you're reading this and you're like, okay, I'm trying to really like this and really get into it and really want it. And then they're like, here's some numbers. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, ugh. And I think on some level that it's dry and so forth, but I actually like this chapter because I want to... I want to make my own location. I did. I actually have a location up on the Storyteller's Vault called Welcome to Purgatory is the book where I basically took a lot mm. of this like impetus and created a, a old west town. It's not quite a ghost town, but it could be. And I use this book as a, a launching off point for doing that, for creating the story that's related to this town that is going to eventually become a ghost town, like a literal ghost town. Right. Um, so it's a decent leaping off point, but yeah, I don't know what your other thoughts are on chapter one. So I mostly made notes about the art. I think because I was so like, I could do this on my own. <laughs> like th there is nothing in this book that a creative storyteller couldn't easily come up with on their own. Uh, absolutely. There's nothing revolutionary in this book. That's maybe more what I meant to say. Like there, there's no like, oh, thing in this book that you makes you go, oh, I never realized I could do this because of course you can do these things. So, um, I made a, a couple notes about the artwork in the book. Um, I was not happy with the. It felt it felt like they found an artist who 
who was good at drawing skull cowboy skulls, mm-hmm. you know, skulls with, with cowboy hats on it. And they were just like, surely you can draw werewolves. Yeah, no, it did yeah. not work out well. A lot of this artwork to me felt like I had my my very first boyfriend ever was one of those people that would scribble on the back of his notebooks at school and it would always be like the same crazy 1990 early 90s like doodle that every dude at that time drew. Mhm. I, I know that sounds very specific, but it was a thing, and I don't yep. understand. With a ballpoint pen, and they all feel like that. But if it was a werewolf, I, I, I don't know how else to explain that, but like, just besides the skulls with cowboy hats, which are good, all his werewolves feel awkward. Like, like I don't know, like the muscles confused him. Mm-hmm. And um, and they all look stoned. Like they all have their pupils blown out, and that really weirded me out. And I don't know why that weirded me out so much, but it did. I was like, did they just see a ghost? Are they scared? <laughs> like what? Is- that might have been the implication that they were <laughs> like frightened. But uh, usually, Garu, when they're frightened, get angry and kill things. They don't necessarily get. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. On page 17, there's a werewolf who's got his jaws around a dude's head and is pulling him into the darkness. You know, okay. But like, even like the guy he's like killing has his, is like staring at the same thing the werewolf is staring at. And they both look kind of stoned. They do. Like the dead guy, just um, his eyes don't even have like irises or anything they're just white with pupils mm-hmm. hmm. yeah and, and so like that kind of bugged me quite a bit um i did really dig the werewolves on the train that is a good piece but it doesn't feel werewolf versus wraith it just feels wild west werewolf right but i really dug it like i was like yeah that that makes me want to play wild west mm-hmm. absolutely um I will, okay, now I'm going to say something nice about the art, besides just that I dig werewolves on trains. The layout on page 20 and 21, where they have the two portraits of the the Wild West skull people, mm-hmm. um, it's really framed nicely. And yes. the layout is nice. And when when they do this with the art, where they have the words like, go up to the edge of the art and follow the line of the art. Usually I'm like, oh, no, that never works right. It works really well on this layout. Yep. They didn't do it too much. Like it's not too jagged. It doesn't take up the whole page. It's right. just enough of an effect that it feels comfortable to read it. Yes. There's breaks in the paragraphs and everything. Yeah. And so I, I I'm trying to find the things that I like because I'm all like, you no. So I want, I want to say nice things too. So. And this section that we're talking about does sort of explain a little bit of information about the Wraith Society, but again, not in a way that's, that I feel is complete. It's just like, here's some information, but I need more than this, particularly if I'm coming at this from a Wraith perspective, I need a lot more to like ground myself in who these characters are going to be what their motivations are going to be, how I get them involved in this story. Yeah, because if you are not a Wraith player or have read the books, like, I don't even think they fully explain, like, what a shadow is. No. Which is your your Wraith uh, evil side. Mm-hmm. It's your, um, I, I like to imagine that all Wraiths have the evil Spock goatee. All the shadows do. Yeah, they all are the mirror universe versions of themselves. <laughs> but that's that is what they are. Yep. Yep. That's a good point. If they had given us they needed to give us more rules. There either needed to be like a solid Wraith rules section in here or a, another book that was like Wraith the Wild West. Yeah, like do the other side. Mm-hmm. Could have been fun. 
Yep. And they could have split, they could have cut this book down to half. And it would have been fine as half the size of this. Oh book. yes, it would have been. Yeah. It would have been better. Yeah. Um, that brings us to chapter two, which is the longest chapter. It's the predominant chunk of this book. And it's about ghost towns. Now, again, their definition of ghost town is just towns that have ghosts in them. <laughs> it's also people towns. Uh, yes. These and are werewolf towns. <laughs> <laughs> they are places where you might set a story is all that it means to be a ghost town in this book. Um, and they start off with Baton Rouge, which is a big city at this time and is a, still a big city. Like it's not a tiny place. And it's strange to me that they're like, yeah, we're going to start our story off in this big place. And then it gives you some opening fiction which sort of sets the tone for the rest of the, of the area. This is one of my least favorite of the towns. Like I absolutely hate Baton Rouge because it, I don't think it gives you a lot of history that I don't understand how I'm going to use the history, either from a wraith perspective or a werewolf perspective. And well, yeah, well, they give it's okay for me. I feel like they, you know, with, with, with things like this, you either give a small little bit, which is a snack. Mm -hmm. Here's an idea. Here's some nuggets. Here's some NPCs and go. Or you give an entire module. Right. What they gave us was something in between. And what they did was they hamstring storytellers. Yep. Here's all of this information, but not, and then go run something. You know, like, no, either tell me what to run in a module or just give me the nuggets. Right. Right. And and so I think that it, it's just, you know, medium, which is just, again, it's meh. It's just mid-ground. And mid-ground is never good. Yeah. I would have been happy with this section if it was two pages and then the NPCs. Yeah. And then I would have gone, okay. That's enough to know, like, enough about this location, and give me some story hooks, give me some NPCs, and then I can run something out of this. But it's quite a bit longer than that, and the NPCs take up large chunks of space. You don't need to know what the NPCs had for breakfast. No, and it seems like you, you get that level of detail. Yeah. And here's another critique I have, and this is kind of an off topic critique but the black characters in this book are either dead almost all of them there's only one that isn't so they're all they're either all wraiths or they do voodoo and i have some issues with the framing of that particularly because the west was much blacker than the this book gives us the feeling of it being yeah but quarter of cowboys were african-american there were large portions of people of african-american descent that particularly post-civil war and post-slavery were moving west for like to set up their own land and establish themselves there needed to be more black characters in this and i find it frustrating that there aren't and the ones that there are are dead yeah the, one of the other things that bothered me was i actually thought wouldn't there be a lot more Native American wraiths as right. well? Like, right. there's none. Like, there, there's none one who, okay. who just, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, the, this book was, is very um, single-sided, maybe is the. Yeah, it's very whitewashed. I'll yeah. just throw it out there, like. Okay, blatantly. there you go. <laughs> and it's, that's one take to take with a Western. But it's a problem when you take it from White Wolf's angle where they try to create a balance of real world history and a genre game. They needed to just a couple more characters could have been black and I would have been happy. A couple more characters that were Native American that either were wraiths or were not. And I would have been yeah. more comfortable with that. And then 
there's just I I need either less or more here, and that's the hard thing with this right. book. A hundred pages, it's like you don't give me enough one way or the other to mm -hmm. say it's good because you're giving me this middle ground sort of thing. So I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna kind of mush all of these things together because okay. for me, none of these towns stood out so well that I want to talk about any specific. Okay. I'm sure you do. Only one that I actually liked. So. Okay. So, but, but I actually, it bothered me as a reader when I read about all these different NPCs, especially the wraiths, where they gave us their destinies. Right. And I know that's dumb to feel empathy for a written character, you know, like a, a ghost character, but like none of them had good endings. And I know wraiths really don't. But then just don't tell me. Let let it happen in game. Right. Yeah, you know, like every single one of them fell to oblivion or became a chair or or whatever. And I'm just like, Jesus, this is why I don't like Wraith. The thing that bugs me about that is that Wraith can be hopeful and it can have like transcendence is a actual in-game outcome where you Whatever happens, you leave the underworld and you go off into a, to a better underworld, I guess, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> but the idea is of hope is actually baked into that game. And in this supplement, they're just like, nope, everybody yeah. goes to the underworld and goes to oblivion and everything goes badly for them. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, it's really, and I get that there's a, a dark grittiness to that. That is very Wild West feeling. Mm -hmm. But like, like, I don't know. Like, I don't like playing games that there is no hope. True. That's fair. It, do you know what this book reminded me of? And I don't even know that it's quite the same, but it reminds me of that, the episode of Carnival. Okay. Where they go to the ghost town and they're all trapped there and it's just depressing and they end up leaving the girl there. You know, and you're just like, I don't feel good mm -hmm. after watching that or after reading about what happens to all these NPCs. Like, I don't feel like the world is a better place for this piece of art being in it. Yeah. I think that's fair. Like, that is a direction you can take as a storyteller to tell a depressing story. But <laughs> I don't know if I would run that I, one, I wouldn't subject my home game players to that. Two, if I ran that at a con game, I better like have like an after party where we're like having fun because yeah, th that would be a depressing game to run, and I just can't imagine that being fun for people. Like I always imagine games like that are experiments, right? Let's see what happens when we run a game that has no hope, and then afterward, everyone's like, "Well, f me," <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Well, what happens is I'm depressed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for bringing me down. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So that's, no, that, that is this book, folks. <laughs> it is a depression fest. <laughs> it's a downer. <laughs> it is. Um, the only one of these uh, ghost towns that I liked that I want to talk about really briefly is Hatter's Well. Which one is that? Hatterswell is the second of the ones in the book. It's a ghost town that was established by um, a member of the Church of Latter-day Saints. Yes, um, yes, okay. Better known as the Mormons for people that aren't familiar with uh, Latter-day Saint culture. I thought this was really an interesting setup for a ghost town in that this individual sets up a farmstead that becomes a town that rises up a little bit that gets knocked down and then kind of comes back a little bit and gets knocked down again and ultimately isn't going to exist as a town moving mm -hmm. forward. It's an actual ghost town at the end of this. Like this is not yeah. a real location. Um, and I like all of the NPCs here. I like the fact that You've got a character that is um, a Garu that doesn't really know it yet, doesn't really know much about werewolf society, is just starting to get introduced to it. Like, I think that's a cool hook 
both for a Western yeah. and for like an actual game. Like you could, I could hand this character to a player and say, you are going to play this character. Yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, okay. Right. And you yeah, feel like, character. and you feel like I have enough to run this character in a realistic sort of way. Well, and it feels like the werewolves have a reason to be dealing with the ghost town. Right. Exactly. Like a lot of these, it's like your werewolves happen to fall upon this ghost town. Well, guess what? We leave. Right. Like, okay. Like it's none of our business. We're out. Stuff's going on here, but are they Banes? Nope. Yeah. Not my problem. Yeah. Yeah. There is enough here to run like a real Western ghost story in Hatterswell. This is the one I would use. Um, it does have some references on how to bring the store meter into it. And this felt like it was a section that really should have been a chapter of like how to bring the storm umbra and the store meter into a ghost story game. And it's yeah, four paragraphs, five paragraphs. And I'm like, I need more of this because this is the main meta plot of Werewolf the Wild West. This has got to tie in somehow to yeah. like- Stop giving me the history of the town five generations back right and tell me the nitty-gritty how to to mesh these two worlds together yep exactly was there any one of these cities or towns that you were like i would run a game in this location i mean okay so i'm gonna I'm, i'm gonna put on the i'm a legend hat for a second I could use any of these and make them work, obviously. Sure. But no, I wouldn't. Like, none of these jumped out and I went, ooh, yeah, I could do that. I could make up a way more compelling ghost town that would be way more interesting, that would have bits of that depression, but also bits of hope and and would be be terrifying and funny and, and have all of those in there um it just these just felt like incomplete modules yeah yep and what's bad is that most of them don't have a story hook yeah like they give you the location the things happen and they don't tell you what to do with it and there's not enough built into each of the characters to make me go this is the story that i would run here yeah yeah no absolutely um i do want to touch there are a couple racial slurs that are mentioned in this book Mm -hmm. we should point out just so if people do pick up this book and read it they're not caught unaware um most they're they are all said as characters Mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of a you could put that well, it's the time, and they were trying to make it sound authentic, but it's still like, oh, you don't need to do that. Yeah, it's edgy, all. and it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be as edgy as it's being. Yeah, especially for as much of nothing as this book is. Right. They didn't need to drop the N word. Right. You know, they didn't need to do Native American slurs. Yeah. So I, you know, again, I'd like I wanted to point that out just for anyone that picks up the book if that's going to detour you like if if I had known I might not you know if I wasn't doing this podcast I wouldn't have read it either way but um I probably would have at least steeled myself mentally beforehand if I had known yeah and Um, I didn't remember that before I reread this right to even say anything so I'm glad that you're mentioning it that that is a thing that is present here also, and I don't know why this stood out to me, why is every NPC in this book six and a half or seven feet tall? Right, they're all huge. And not just, it's not like, I'm a werewolf, so I'm big. It's like, in life, this, this ghost was seven feet tall. And I'm like, that is super rare. And people were shorter back then. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. No, like, everybody is incredibly tall and i guess they're trying to go for that imposing western sort of thing <laughs> but it doesn't the, the problem is every like every story has a huge dude in it and they're right. all dudes they're all guys mm-hmm. and they're all like huge and imposing and you know and you're just like ah, no. yep. 
there is a reference to the um, the Duncern family in one of these. Dun Duncern family being a vampire um, family connected to the Giovanni clan for folks oh, that are that. unfamiliar with them. Okay, cool. I think that's a neat hook if you want to run a Vampire of the Wild West game. Yeah. But it's such a roundabout hook that you have to really look for it and be like, no, right off the top of your head, like, oh, that is a vampire reference. Yeah, let now me I'm, go look that up. Yeah, now and now I'm going to write a story based on this like sort of hook. But it's it's neat in that I like that they tied the worlds together. Like this is the one a one world of darkness sort of thing, but it's not enough to build a whole story on either. Like you you could build one from it. Like a lot of this you could build stories on, but it's not a story of its own and it needed to be. I suppose it would have been a vampire, the masquerade game, like book as well. Then, if they decided they needed to make that a full book, well, but what they should have done is they should have just said "Ghost Towns," a supplementary for World of Darkness. Yeah, and just hit because they talk about a changeling NPC in here. Mm -hmm. They've got a medium in here. They've got you know they they could have easily just covered all of World of Darkness, given done five stories you know five towns and had them focus on each one and be like this is what you could have done that would and have i think that would have so actually much better yeah absolutely why do we keep writing a better book well you know <laughs> <laughs> um i have so many notes here with page numbers that just say art wtf so i can't go over them all um there's just some ridiculous art in this book. Yeah. So if if you like to look through a book and see ridiculous art, this book is worth it for that. Just to go, what? There's um, one in particular that bugs me on page 84. I have that one listed. Yeah. I, I have it actually page marked. No idea what is going on there. <laughs> but it's a werewolf looking at a crab man ghost thing <laughs> it is bizarre so the werewolf is in glabro yeah and he's making this surprised freak freaked out face i think he's supposed to be like in a mine maybe oh maybe but the problem is he's dressed up with like a, a vest and a suit looking outfit so he doesn't look like a miner but he's got a pickaxe in his hand and i think the ghost crab head thing is actually supposed to be like fire from his torch. Oh. But it doesn't make it any better. <laughs> no, <laughs> that doesn't make well, it better at all. Mostly because the the reason we keep saying a ghost crab thing is because it's got crab legs and it's got four eyes and three noses and they're human. Mm -hmm. so it looks like it's a face that's shaking really quickly and so you're seeing it a couple times <laughs> it looks like it's going <laughs> right it's like the most stereotypical ridiculous ghost effect like it's <laughs> almost saying boo yeah they should have just a little bubble above his head boo. <laughs> <laughs> at least that i think that would have elevated the piece to like fine art if they had oh been. yeah oh absolutely <laughs> I, in fact, I may recreate that piece as my next piece of art. And then I'll be like, I have to retire now. I peaked. Yep. You can't get any better than that. <laughs> I have one final question about this book. And then okay. I'll let you, you steer the boat the rest of the way. All right. Where the hell are the silent striders? Yeah, not at all. There's none. There is no mention of that, of the tribe that deals with ghosts in this book at all yep like it's it's absolutely ridiculous like they are the tribe that literally ghosts are their thing the dark umber is their thing yeah they're not present in this at all there's no no like there should have been a single town that was like hey um i'm cairo illinois or somewhere like that mm -hmm. and well especially with the wild west because you have all of the um 
all all of the uh, the the rails right. being laid and right. all that. There's so much open there for that. Nope, <clears throat> nothing. Not at all. <laughs> like, I wonder if they were like, let's let's do something without the thing ever. Look how look how edgy we are. We're not even gonna put Silent Striders in the ghost book. <laughs> Maybe, but I have a feeling it's developed by a vampire developer and a wraith developer. I just have a feeling they didn't think about it. I just, I have a hard time believing that because even if you're just doing one sentence reviews of each of the tribes, you go, Egyptian ghosts. That's Silent Strike. That's, you know, that's it. If you read the book one time, if you glance at the book, the werewolf book. Yeah, if you just have to look at the them. cover. <laughs> yeah. The, you, okay, those are the two things associated with them. You know, whether whether it's good or not, that is what's associated with them. Yeah. You know, that would be like going, Fianna, you know, Irish fairies. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. That's, right. that's what's connected. Whether it is stereotypes or not, that is what's connected to those that tribe. And, you know, that would be like doing a changeling book and not mentioning Fianna ever. Right. And they do but all the time. All the time. And so, yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a sad truth of this book that they're like the obvious hook of something to do with the railroads and the glass walkers. Like that picture of the werewolves on the train... If they had turned that into a story hook here, but like two towns connected by rail, something's going on between the two towns and it's a ghost town, a literal ghost town on the track. That would have been really, really interesting. Yeah. You know, cause then you've got half the werewolves are trying to actually help and derail the train. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, Gaia and the other half are like progress, you know, like, yeah, you could have had so many, sides colliding with that that would have been awesome but no yeah but no again we are writing a better book than ghost towns was um i don't have a whole lot of other thoughts on the rest of this book honestly it does give you a a storytelling chapter it gives us another undertaker who looks ridiculous um oh are you talking about on page 91 i am yes okay i have a question about that Go ahead. Clearly, that is a wraith, right? I would assume that's a wraith, but it might be a femori, considering the symbol. There's glyphs? Right. I don't understand that. Because I actually messaged you. Mm-hmm. And was like, this is the glyph for femori, isn't it? And you were like, yeah. And I'm like, why, why is this here? The only thing I can think of is that that's a femori and not a wraith, but it looks like a wraith. There's a big hole in its hand. Yeah. It looks like a specter to me. I don't know. Well, okay, because I don't know much about wraith. Mm-hmm. If if a wraith becomes worm-tainted, does that just make it a specter? Oh, uh, maybe, because it all depends on if you view Oblivion as the worm or not. Okay. And if Oblivion is the worm, then specters are worm-tainted wraiths, but it's not never, never explicitly said anywhere that that so is So, like, true. there's no nothing that says if you uh, sense worm on a specter, what you get? No, that would be great. That would be an no amazing cool. thing to have in this book, but yeah, it's wow. not in here. Okay, then. <laughs> uh, yeah. Storytelling chapter is fine, but again, it's not, uh, it doesn't give me enough to actually do anything that I wouldn't have thought of of myself as a storyteller. Yeah. It talks about how to try to actually make things scary for your players. I don't think you are actually going to scare your players in most instances, unless they scare themselves. Um, Unless you have actual jump scares at your table. Right. Which, you know... Kudos if you if you do. If I want to hear can about it. Pull that off. I'd be very impressed. I've only been scared ever in one uh, RPG I've ever played in, and that was a Deadlands game. And it, we were playing on a thunderstorm night, 
and it felt super thematic and we were in a really creepy house and the storytelling was really well done and then thunder happened and I actually jumped and I was like this is the <laughs> only time I've ever actually been scared while playing an RPG. And we all know Mother Nature is a way better uh, jump scare set up, setter upper. Setter upper. Scare, setter yeah, upper. we'll go with that. Than, uh, than anyone else, so. Yeah. The book ends with some rights and some gifts and... And a really weird illustration of a lady with snake arms. Yeah. Who, it's unclear why they decided to do that. I... <laughs> I don't know. It, it and then, no mouth? Yeah, and then it like references, like, if you wanted to play Wraiths in a game in this setting, this is what you would do. And I'm just like, wait, that was what this entire book was supposed was to be supposed about. supposed to be, yeah. Yeah. All right. So what, um, what are our overall thoughts on this book? Meh. Meh is being kindly to it, I think. I, yeah. I felt like this inspired me to write my own ghost story and run a ghost town game, which I give credit for any book that inspires me to want to run a specific game. Right, but you're doing it out of spite. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> At least... It gave me like the uh, better ideas than were laid down in the book. Like it inspired uh, ideas that were useful to me. But you're right; it's by spite or out of a desire to do something better. Mm -hmm. How many? Let's see. How many ghost cowboy hats out of ten would you give this book? Honestly, I'd give it two. And I'm, the first one is for the cover mm -hmm. because I, I really dig the cover. I, I like the colors and it just, for me, it, it really, you like, if this cover had been on any other book, I'd be like, yeah. Um, and the other one is just, I acknowledge that collectors want to have all of the books and this is considered one of the books of the collection. So if you are trying to collect all of the Wild West books, get this book. If you are not, do not get this book. Yeah. I would say I'd give it three. And the only reason I'd give it that one extra dot is because I do think there are some interesting ideas in here that if you're just completely a noob storyteller or you need something to inspire you to grumpily run a story that is better than a book, then you can find that in here. Like there's enough that it's like, there's almost an idea that you can utilize. So your last ghost cowboy hat was for spite. Yes. Okay. That, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeehaw. Out of spite. Oh no. <laughs> All right. Well, until we finally get an answer to that question of when will you rage? And I think we've figured it out uh, after reading right now. this book. Uh, it's right dang now. Um, <laughs> until we get an answer to the question, when will you rage? We'll talk to you again next time. Bye.